Investing Compass is brought to you by Morningstar Australia. We'll run through the fundamentals of investing, take a deep dive of concepts and offer practical explanations, tools and resources that will allow you to invest confidently. The information contained in this podcast is general in nature. It does not take into consideration your personal objectives, financial situation or needs. Welcome to our second podcast on ETFs and funds. So this is like a sequel. Right? Which are always worse. Yeah, sequels are always worse. But we're <laughs> going to try really hard to make this a better episode than the first one. Let's and so. obviously, we'd encourage everyone to go back and listen to that first episode where we covered foundational ETF and fund facts. So even though we want everyone to go back and listen to it, Shani, why don't you give us a little bit of an overview? Yeah, definitely. So as you said, Mark, we um, covered the foundational elements of funds and ETFs, so why you would invest in them and how they work. So there were three key takeaways. And the first is that you don't need to invest in direct equities to get exposure to the share market. So direct equities aren't for every circumstance. The second is that funds and ETFs are investment products with different features. And these features, like the minimum investment amounts and how to invest by incurring brokerage or not, can suit different circumstances. And the third is that these investment products have different investment strategies, so they can be active or passive. You don't need to religiously prescribe to one, and they can also be they can also be used to play different roles in your portfolio. So as an investor, you don't need to pick sides, you just need to pick what will help you reach your goals. All right. So let's say you listened to that episode and you thought it all made sense, which we hope you did. And you decided which vehicle was right for you and which strategy was right for you. You knew how to actually invest in a funder ETF and you were ready to go. And then all of a sudden you discovered that there are a lot of choices out there. So saying investors have a lot of choice out there when selecting ETFs and funds is like, I don't know, what, what's your favorite thing? Potatoes, right? Potatoes. So, so there's like a lot of different potatoes that you can have. So I do really love potatoes. I feel like these podcasts just expose me more and more as we go on. I compliment you. And then I tell people <laughs> you like potatoes. That's not exactly controversial. But. Yeah, it's not. All right. So why don't we talk about another passion of yours, which is investment products. Yeah, so that's right. So let's talk about the choice available to Australian investors. So if I go into the Morningstar Premium Fund screener, I can see that we have data on 534 funds in Australia. And then if I head over to the ETF screener, I can see that we have data on 258 ETFs. Yeah, and choice can be a good thing, but it can also be really confronting for many investors. And we know that choice can sometimes lead to anxiety and result in paralysis for investors. So in today's episode, we're going to cover what you're going to do next. So how do you pick a specific funder ETF? And we'll go through a couple of different scenarios here that are real world examples. And we'll leverage the resources that we have here at Morningstar and that are offered to our premium subscribers. Um, but we'll also show you how you can try and do this on your own. All right. And before we get started on these examples, we should talk about how most investors pick funds or ETFs. And that's pretty simple. They chase performance, which basically just means that when people periodically pay attention to their investments, they simply look at funds and ETFs that have done better than what they currently hold, and they move their money into those. So unsurprisingly, this doesn't work. And we'll turn it over to you, Shani, to tell us about a study because you love studies. Thank you for always um, ridiculing me for injecting some facts into this. Um, but there have been a lot of studies that have looked at investor returns versus returns of the underlying funds. Um, and one of this is actually done by us. And it's a study by Morningstar called Mind the Gap. Um, but I'll use a Vanguard study for this example um, that was done a couple of years back. 
So Vanguard took a look at US stock fund returns between 2004 and 2013, and they ran two different scenarios. So in the first scenario, Vanguard looked at performance chasing. They followed a hypothetical scenario where an investor sold any fund that trailed the category's three-year average total return over a three-year period and purchased a fund that had a higher than average return than the category of the same three-year period. Basically, selling funds that underperformed and buying funds that outperformed. And the outcome of this study involved more than 40 million uh, return parts, and they compared that to people that just bought a fund and held it for nine years regardless of the performance. All right. So this is where we need sound effects during this because we could have a drum roll, right? Before you announce the results of your, your latest confusing study. I would love that. Yeah. So I don't think the news is that dramatic though. So no drum roll. No. Okay. <laughs> um, but the investors that bought and held on to their funds performed dramatically better. So Vanguard looked at six different categories across the value to growth spectrum for large cap and mid cap companies. And that means funds that invest in the biggest companies and mid sized companies. And in every instance across these six categories, the buy and hold investors performed better. And that outperformance ranged from 1.6% to 4% per year, which is a pretty big deal. And as you said, Shani, this was just one of many studies that show that chasing performance doesn't work. And it doesn't work for a number of reasons. First, because of a concept known as reversion to the mean. And that's just the assumption that investment prices tend to move to the average price over time. And also just because it's a lot harder for an investor, so a fund manager in this case, to outperform when you have large amounts of money coming into your fund that you need to invest. And as we know, outperformance causes more money to flow into these funds. So I think we've talked enough about what you shouldn't do. Um, let's talk a little bit about what you should do. Okay. So as you said earlier, Shani, we're going to run through a couple different scenarios where we compare two passive ETFs and then two active funds. But before we dive into these examples, we want to acknowledge that some of the concepts that we discuss may come across as complex for some investors, and that's okay. So if you are new to investing and you don't understand everything, we encourage you to keep at it. We're all born with a blank slate and, you know, acquiring knowledge about investing is just part of your investing journey. And um, so that being said, one of the most important concepts in investing is time. The more time you have in the market, the more time you have to grow your wealth and the more likely you are to achieve your goals. So if there are concepts that you don't understand, stick with it and keep trying to learn more. But in the meantime, um, that really shouldn't stop you from investing. So we're going to talk about how to evaluate different passive investments and active investments. But if you have one takeaway from this podcast on selecting funds and ETFs, it should be that simply picking the passive fund or ETF with the lowest fee is a great start. To get global market exposure, there is an iShares Core Miski World All Cap Index ETF, um, and the ticker is IWLD, that we rate gold, which is our highest Morningstar rating. That ETF will give you exposure to stocks around the world and give you diversified equity exposure. We would encourage you to go through the goal-setting exercise we outlined in our portfolio, portfolio construction podcast, um, but if you're looking for exposure to global shares, then you might want to consider that ETF. Okay, so that's good. So we did we did our disclaimer, but now let's dive in and look at some of the different products that are available for Australian investors. Yeah, so let's go through a couple of different scenarios and we can dive into what you should look for. So passive investing is following an index. The manager doesn't make any decisions around what securities to buy, and this means that passive investments often have lower fees than active investments. Logically, there are less overheads. You're not employing research analysts and staff in the same way active managers are, and passive investments tend to work when the markets are more liquid and efficient. So if you want more information on this, we took a bit of a deep dive in our first episode on funds and ETFs. 
Okay, so let's start with two Australian equity ETFs. Both are index funds or passive investments, as Shani just explained. And the first one is BetaShares Australian 200 ETF. And then the second fund is the Vanek Vectors Australian Equal Weight ETF. So these are both index funds, but you should actually look at the index, which makes sense to me. And the index is what, of course, both of these ETFs are tracking. And both of these indices, they are related to Australian shares, but there's a big difference in the holdings. And we get a little bit of a clue in the name. So the Vanek ETF has equal weight in its title. So that's our first clue. You love mystery, Shawnee. So why don't you tell us what that means? Love a bit of true crime. Um, so most indexes are market capitalization weighted indexes. And that's a f- fancy way of saying that the bigger the company, the more they make up of the index. So many investors think an index is simply a list of companies. And in a way that is true. But once you've decided which shares to include in the index, you've got to determine what percentage of the index gets allocated to each company. So while most indices favor large companies, and um, there are also equal weighted indices and these indexes ensure each company is weighted equally. Yeah, and that's exactly what this Vanek product does. So it follows an index of the 98 largest Australian companies and simply puts the same allocation into each one, so the same amount of money. Meanwhile, the BetaShares ETF follows the ASX 200 index, which includes the 200 largest companies in Australia, with the difference being that the allocation to each of those shares is based on the size of the company. So what this means in practice is that 44% of the assets in that ETF are in the top 10 companies. So close to 8% of the index in the ETF is invested in CBA, for example. A little more than 7.5% is in CSL. And over 6% is in BHP. So even though this is an index fund, it is very concentrated. And it's also really concentrated in financial services. So 28% of the ETF is in financial services stocks, and 18% is in basic materials, which is basically all the miners in Australia. Yeah, so even though the ETF has 200 holdings there, um, it is a fair amount of concentration. And we've got to ask ourselves, is this a good or bad thing? And this really depends on your perspective on those companies and industries. And this is a case where it's really important to know what you're invested in, because a lot of passive investors don't think about that. Let's quickly look at a couple of other factors when looking at a passive investment. The fees for passive investments are generally pretty low, as we discussed, and in this case, both ETFs fit the bill. The BetaShares ETF is 0.07%, and the Vanek ETF is slightly higher, but still low at 0.35%. So there are a lot of other things you can look at for passive investing, but start with the index. Does that index make sense and align with your investing goals and the strategy needed to achieve them? Now let's take a look at active funds and ETFs. Active investing is when a manager is selecting securities that go into a fund or ETF as opposed to following an index. Active investments often have high fees and passive investments, but you also have the opportunity to outperform the index if the manager has skill or luck if you're cynical. Active funds and ETFs work best when markets are less liquid and less efficient. But yeah, we take a deep dive into where passive funds and active funds might conquer in our first funds and ETFs episode. Okay, so we're going to turn our attention overseas. Since we can't go anywhere overseas, we might as well look overseas for investments. So we're going to look at two international equity funds. So we will look at the Altrinsic Global Equities Trust and then the Capital Group New Perspective Fund. So 
Both of these funds have similar minimum investments. It's $25,000 for the capital group fund and then $20,000 for the Altrinsic. They both have the same benchmark. So the MSCI World X Australia. But despite these similarities, they have a slightly different investment approach. So capital group invests in large cap growth stocks and Altrinsic invests in large cap value stocks. So large cap, of course, refers to the size of the company. So large is the largest companies. And growth stocks look at an investment strategy where shares are more expensive from a valuation perspective, but they are expected to grow more while value stocks have cheaper valuations. So before getting into more detail, we should pause and let people know where we got this information. So this came off the Morningstar website, but it's also available in a lot of other places. So you can go to the fund company website, for example, and it's also available in the PDS, um, which is a product disclosure statement, which you can find on the manager's website as well. So this covers all the information you need to know on the fund um, that you're interested in. So the data we're talking about today is pretty much readily available for everyone. Okay, so now that we've established that these funds are relatively comparable, they both help investors get international equity exposure, we can move on to figuring out which one we should actually invest in, meaning which one is right for us. Yeah, that's it, Mark. Um, So let's start with fees. And fees have significant impacts on returns that can reduce your investment outcome by tens of thousands in some circumstances. Um, So for actively managed funds, the goal is generally to beat a benchmark or index. So if you're investing in a fund that's charging 1%, you're already 1% behind the benchmark or index. And you have to be pretty confident in the manager's ability to outperform by more than that figure. So the higher the fee, the higher the hurdle. So let's talk about specific fees and we can start with the indirect cost ratio or ICR. Indirect costs include all of the fees of managing the fund, including management and performance fees and any operational costs. So when we look at the Altrinsic fund, it has an indirect cost ratio of 1.08% and the Capital Group fund has an indirect cost of 0.95%. So they're pretty close to each other and they're both cheaper than the category average of 1.28%. And it's important to remember though that um, 0.13% can compound over years and can make a huge difference to your investment outcomes. Okay, great. And, you know, we talked a little bit about performance chasing, obviously, at the beginning, but Let's look at how they've actually done. There's no way investors are not going to look at that, but it is important, obviously, that that's not the only criteria. So over the past five years, the Altrinsic offering has returned 6.43% per year, and the Capital Group Fund has returned 13.72% per year. So that is quite a disparity of returns, and both of those compare to an index return, that index that they're tracking, of 10.55%. So... If you invested $10,000 for 30 years, you would have an extra $408,000 if you got the higher returns from Capital Group. However, we can't just focus on returns. These returns are historical. Remember your tattoo that you were going to get, Shani, on your forehead? Still not there, by the way. Just making promises that you don't (laughs) deliver on. But both of those returns are historical. And the only returns that matter, of course, is what happens in the future. So we need to keep digging into these funds. So let's take a look at the approach that each fund takes. And the reason we want to do this is because if we don't understand the investment strategy that a fund or ETF is taking, then we can't understand how it will perform in different environments. So both of these funds are active and there are two reasons why you would invest in active funds. The first is trying to find a fund that meets a very specific investment objective, like a low volatility fund or an income fund. Um, And the second is trying to find a fund that beats a benchmark. 
And that's the case with both of these funds. So both of these funds are designed to beat their benchmarks. And we know this because of the stated objectives that can be found on the fund websites. So it's important to know a little bit about the benchmark before we start looking at what the fund is invested in. And this is doubly important since we can go out there, of course, and just invest in a passive product that will match the index. So the index, the MSCI World, X Australia, is a really broad index as it represents all the large and mid-cap stocks in the world outside of Australia. So there are 1,536 different companies in the index. 67% of the allocation of the index is to the US, and Japan is second, but a far second at only 8% of the index. And then if we look at sectors... 22% is in technology, and healthcare is second at 13%. So first thing that we should say, and we said that earlier when we were talking about passive, is that investing in index does not mean that you are investing in some sort of neutral portfolio. You are making large allocations, in this case, to the U.S. into technology. And that has been a good thing because both the U.S. market and technology have done really well. But once again, those are obviously historic returns. And if anything changes, then that's going to have a large impact on your investment returns. Yeah. So now that we know a little bit about the index, we can take a look at how the funds compare. So remember that with an active manager, we want the fund to look different to the index. And the index represents the average return that an investor will receive. The whole reason we'd invest in either of these funds is because we want to do better than average. And if an active fund looks too much like an index, then we're paying high fees for a very small chance of getting a different outcome. And there's a term for this, and it's called closet indexing. In terms of these funds, both funds are much more concentrated than the index. Altrinsic has 78 securities, while Capital Group has 314. So if we started at the country level, we can see that both funds differ from the country allocation. The Altrinsic Fund allocates only around 45% to the US, and this is significantly less than the 67% of the index. And looking at the latest investment report from Altrinsic, they show us that the fund has significantly more invested in Europe and the UK. The Capital Group Fund allocates slightly more to the US at 55, but that's still less than the index. Yeah, and these differences extend to sectors as well. So we can see Altrinsic has much more invested in financials than the index, about 12% more, and it's invested significantly less in technology. Capital Group, meanwhile, is right at the index of 22% of the fund in technology. And the rest of the allocations in the Capital Group Fund are actually pretty close to where the index is. So next, we can look at the individual holdings in the fund. But first, we need to say one quick thing about fund transparency in Australia. So in Australia, it's not required and it's not an industry standard for fund managers to disclose what's in their portfolio. So we do a study here at Morningstar called the Global Investor Experience Study, and that looks at 25 different markets. And Australia is the only one where regulators don't make managed funds disclose their holdings. Yeah. And I mean, you certainly know this because... During our webinars, I always uh, rant about this, but I think it's really frustrating as an investor. There just is no need for this, and, and it makes what we're doing right now a little bit harder. And you know, just as an aside, the funds management industry, they make all sorts of claims that investors are going to use their positions to make trades and hurt the funds, and this really doesn't make any sense because literally everywhere else in the world, this doesn't happen. But anyway, 
We'll, uh, we'll end my rant there. So what kind of information can we get, Shani? Um, so funds do publish their asset allocation and they publish their top 10 holdings. So let's take a look at the latest top 10 holdings. Altrinsic owns a bunch of financials, and this makes sense given how overweight they are to the sector. Their top 10 holdings include Chubb, which is an insurance company, um, value investing favorite Berkshire Hathaway, so Warren Buffett's company. First reference, yep. So You've first got a drink. drink. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Johnny really wants a drink, by the way. I so. do, yeah. It's been a long week. Um, and Zurich Insurance. And over at Capital Group, we see more tech companies, including Tesla, Facebook, Microsoft, Alphabet, so Google's um, parent company, and other popular shares, including Amazon and Netflix. Yeah, so what does all this tell us? Well, it gives some perspective to those returns that we talked about. And Basically, give some perspective to that vast outperformance by the capital group fund. So growth, growth um, investing has dramatically outperformed value since the GFC. So it makes sense that the growth fund would perform better. Also, as we said before, the U.S. market has outperformed most other global markets. And this outperformance has been driven specifically by technology. So especially, you know, some of those names that were in the capital group top 10. So Alphabet, Microsoft, Facebook, et cetera. Yeah, so this strategy suggests that um, Altrinsic has focused on value and their portfolio makes sense when you look at it th- with this context. So European and UK stocks are trading at lower valuation levels in the US and financial stocks are selling at lower valuation levels than um, tech stocks. Yeah, so I can imagine now, and this is what we gave the disclaimer about before we went in here, that a lot of listeners are thinking, what we just described sounds pretty difficult to do. And, you know, there are people who understand how to do what we described, but what does any of this have to do with picking a fund where we want to invest in for the future? So if you think this is impossible, and uh, let's walk through it together because the key is working your way through the process. Start by reading a couple of the investment updates that the fund puts out or look at some of the portfolio data on our website. Then look at the index and see what's included. So knowing that the US makes up 67% of the index or knowing that there are over 1,500 companies included in it, but Apple makes up over 4% of the total allocation is a start. So you can start making comparisons to the fund you're interested in and um, see how it's positioning itself. So learning about investing is a journey and you don't start at the finish line. So continuing to do this process and continuing your exposure to investment content will help you learn. And while you're doing this, concentrate on things that you can control, like saving money and keeping investing, even if it's in low-cost index funds at this point. And there might be another group that says what we've actually walked through doesn't really help you determine what we'll do better in the future. Because, right, we are looking historically. And yes, we know a lot more about these funds, but that is a historical look. Well, that is true, but at least now you know the strategy that both funds are pursuing. If growth, the U.S. and tech continue to do well, then the capital group portfolio is positioned to take advantage of that. If value comes back in Europe and financial stocks outperform, then the intrinsic fund will outperform also. So we started this podcast talking about how chasing performance is not a good idea. So we do need to keep digging into these funds because we care about the future and not the past. So the real question is, do we think these two funds will continue on the same path they've been on? They are actively managed funds. So what actually really matters is, are the investments that get selected by the manager um, going to outperform, number one? And how can we tell that? Well, we have to look at the people that are doing that and the process that they're going through to pick the different shares that go into the portfolio. So 
I will say, obviously, we work here at Morningstar, and there are professionals that spend their lives doing that, or at least during the day they do that. Um, and yeah, our analysts at Morningstar rate over 450 funds and ETFs here in Australia. And they look at three main components when they're trying to rate a fund and ETF. And that is, as we we're talking about before, the skills and experience of the people investing the money, the investment process they go through, and then the parent company that runs the fund or ETF. So what do we think of these two funds? The Capital Group Fund is rated gold by our analysts, which is our highest rating. And what this indicates is that we believe it will outperform its benchmark in the future. We think very highly of the investment team that's making decisions on what goes into the fund. And we also think highly of the parent company, which is Capital Group. Their investment process is rated above average. So in terms of Altrinsic, we rate them at neutral, which means we don't think they'll outperform the benchmark over the long term. The investment process, people and parent company all earn average ratings from our analysts. So basically what we're saying is you would be better off investing in a cheaper index fund than picking this fund. Okay, let's go through a couple takeaways from this episode. So number one, we learned, hopefully, that simply looking at past performance and chasing returns is not a recipe for success. Most active funds and ETFs don't outperform their index, so there is significant reversion to the mean, which just means that short-term performance tends to reverse itself. Second thing we hopefully learned is active managers are generally trying to outperform a benchmark. So the first place to start your evaluation and trying to assess what, if anything, the manager is doing that is different from the index. This exercise will give you a little perspective in judging past and future returns. And hopefully having this perspective will help you avoid switching funds and ETFs too frequently because this almost guarantees you will get lower returns in the benchmark. At the very least, going through this process will further your investment knowledge. Last point is start by looking at your asset allocation and making sure that it makes sense within the context of your goals. And that's what we talked about in the last episode on portfolio construction. So doing that and focusing on saving and investing as much as possible is ultimately far more important than the specific fund or ETF that you pick. So avoiding funds or ETFs with high fees is a great place to start. So that's it for today. The sequel is over. Um, maybe we'll come back and do another one at some point. But for today, if you have any questions, there's an email address in the podcast notes. And also, we would love feedback and comments. So please provide feedback and leave comments. So thank you guys very much. Hopefully you enjoyed today's episode. Any advice is general advice prepared by Morningstar without reference to your financial objectives, situation, or needs. You should consider the advice in light of these matters and any relevant product disclosure statement before making any decision to invest.